Welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here with us to, just to be a part of what we got going on. I'm here with my brother, Brad. Brad's a campus pastor at our Freeman location. I am Holland. I'm the campus pastor at our Otis location. And did you get a load of those guys with the America bit? Reminded me of a few guys I grew right? up with. Isn't that hysterical? Yeah. Well, guys, that's really what this time of year is about. It's about celebrating the 4th of July and the freedom that we have in, in America. And so I think it's even more important that we stop right now and we realize that as, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, uh, the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So today, regardless of where we're at, and there's a freedom in this country, we celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Amen, Brad? Amen. All Amen. right, Brad. Let's go. Okay. So, hey, guys, we're so glad you're here with us. And, and I, I just want to share a little bit here. As we're in this series of Unchained, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians. And last week, Dan spoke of having the mind of Christ. It was verses 1 through 11 in chapter 2. And, and really, this was exemplified, I think, in Jesus through unity, through selflessness, through humbleness, humility, and sacrifice. And all of those things equate to the mind of Christ. And because Jesus had that mind and that mindset of obedience, it said in 9 through 11 as this way, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow both on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and he did this by being obedient. We see this in Romans 5, 18 and 19, as uh, Paul says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. And because one person disobeyed God, and that's Adam, many became sinners. But because one other person, and that's Jesus, obeyed God, many became righteous. And so Jesus himself says this in John 5. He says, I can do nothing of my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just. I, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me not my own will. And so we really see that Paul speaks about the mind of Christ and the obedience that he had towards the Father because he himself had it. And he, we see this as we look in the book of Acts and we examine Paul's life. See, Paul was, uh, he was unified with Christ as his life was transformed on the road to Damascus. He was selfless as he worked for Christ's kingdom. He was humble as he himself followed Christ's plans and not his own. And ultimately, he was sacrificial as he himself laid down his life for the sake of the gospel being spread. And so as we study the next verses of 12 through 18, let's see how obedience leads to an elevated life within Christ. And he goes on to say, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important that you work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. See, Paul elevates the church in Philippi, by, he commends them by their faithfulness to obedience. But Paul doesn't want them just to be obedient. In fact, he wants them to be even more obedient that he's not there through their, their salvation and how they live that out in front of the other people by their obedience to God. See, and, and if, let's be honest here for a minute. I don't know if you're like me, but the, uh, you've maybe found times in your life where when somebody found out that you were a follower of Jesus, 
they just waited to see for you to make a mistake. And, and I know I've been there, and, and it really changes the way, I, at least for me, of, of how I interacted around that person. See, it's like if I made a mistake, then it almost was like the power of the gospel and Christ working in my life was invalid. And that can make, make our lives really difficult. I know it did for me is if we try to live our life according to how we're trying to please others and by making sure that we don't make a mistake in front of them and how they see us, that really can make our lives hard. And, and if we're honest, even before God, because we can maybe be at this place where if I just do what's right, God's going to be pleased with me. And if I, if I don't make any mistakes, he'll accept me. And believe me, that is so far from the truth. And I wonder if any of the people in Philippi felt the same way. It's almost like Paul was reminding them that people will be watching to see now that I'm gone is, are you really going to follow me? Because these people followed gods and Paul may have been a God to them. And now that he's gone, are you really going to, are they going to elevate another God? Or are they really going to follow this God of, who's, who's Jesus in the flesh? And so this is important because sometimes we can misunderstand what working out our salvation means, as Paul said, and that it's something about following man-made rules and, and just about being obedient and not making mistakes. And, and that's what makes us right with God. But that is absolutely not the truth because Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that any man can boast. See, here we see that grace is what saves us not following rules. Therefore, we want to work hard because of grace that was given us. So it's important to remember that we do the works of God that, that he has for us as a result of our salvation, not, be, not to earn our salvation. I think that's very important to remember. And as we do these works that God has prepared for us, it elevates us and it gives us the freedom to walk in obedience rather than to be shackled to the desires and the will of this world through disobedience. See, what sets us apart as followers of Christ from man-made religions and is that we focus on a relationship with Christ, not just following the rules of Christ. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. What I'm not saying here is we need to be obedient, but rather as we grow in our salvation and through sanctification, which is really this process as we, we grow in our relationship with Christ, it's through this process that God is removing the disobedience that once dwelled in us and shackled us, and he's replacing it with a heart of obedience. See, it's, it's by being obedient to God's word and growing through our relationship with Christ and others that our salvation is truly lived out. And we know when <clears throat> Paul speaks of obeying God with deep reverence and fear, he uses the words reverence and fear as more of a sense of awe and at the power and the love of God and not, not what we would equate it today as shrinking back in fear and cowering because that's really not exactly what he, it's not the heart and the love of God. And so Paul goes on to say, as he continues in verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We understand that it's God that gives us the desire and that power and, we please, and he does this to please him and not ourselves, see? And that, that should be our motivation for working for, with, for Christ. As Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's handiwork created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not for what we gain, but rather that God's will and his power being manifested through us to others 
That is what I, is, it's transformational, right? And that, oftentimes I find myself, if I can be honest, I'm desiring to do my own work. I'm desiring my own will. And I, at times I forget. I'm like, God, I need your will. I need your desire. I need you working through me. I don't know if any of you struggle like that, but I do. And I have to remember, I need to ask God to come back and to be the center of my life. And it's when I do that, that he elevates me again to be able to follow his purpose and his plan and what is pleasing to him. See, but I'm thankful that God is patient with me, and as I recognize this tendency, and I confess it to him, and I seek to be obedient to Christ, it's, that's the moment, again, where he just elevates me, and I'm reminded that, man, it's his will that I seek in my life. So just as Christ did all of these things through the mind of Christ that Paul was talking about earlier in this chapter, and ultimately, that's the freedom we hear as we are elevated through Christ in obedience. And, and with that, I, I just want to share a personal story of a struggle I'm at right now. You know, we had this, this new mandate by our governor, and he's saying, hey, you need to wear masks. And we're in our church, we're like, we have to wear masks now. And I struggle with that because there's a part of disobedience in me. It's like, you don't tell me what to do. And in fact, you're not even wearing a mask yourself. So why should I? But God is so gracious that he spoke to me, and he said, Holland, through this message and preparing, he's like, hey, you don't follow Jay Ensley or a governor. You follow me. And therefore, your heart and your mind should be my mind. And so therefore, I need you to be unified with me and what I'm asking you to do. And I need you to be selfless. I need you to think less of yourself in this area of needing your pride and needing these things. And I need you to be humble and, and not be boastful and arrogant about what you can do or what you're not going to do. And finally, I need you to be sacrificial as you begin to lay these things down and want my desire more than anything. Brad, I'm going to have you come up here. And, and Brad, I don't know, you know if you're like me, but I really struggle with this idea of obedience. And so I, I don't know, maybe for you that's not a big deal, but is that something you struggle with? No, man, I think it's a human thing. I think yeah. we all struggle with this. I think obedience isn't natural for us. Right. So, yeah, I'll take this. Thanks, bro. So things kind of shift here. Uh, with Holland, uh, he gave us this great background of obedience uh, and what it does for us in our lives. Remember that uh, what he's trying to convey here is that obedience elevates our life and disobedience weighs our life down. You know, like he shifts from like giving us this foundation of thought to now taking us and now he's He's leading us almost like a coach to a bunch of players. It's like a pregame speech. So he gets up in front of these guys and, and, uh, and he starts reminding them of who they are and the great responsibility that's in their hands. I love this. So uh, he, uh, but remember that Paul is in prison right now. Uh, he was challenging the church to not let go of the call on their lives. Uh, he was telling them, don't coast. Uh, you got to do the hard work. Um, you see, he was, he was coaching them. I had a coach uh, whenever I was in high school. His name was Carter Elliott. I, I grew up in a small town, uh, Friday Night Lights uh, type town in Texas. And, uh, and I remember Coach Elliott, he would always say, uh, he'd always say stuff like, uh, all right, boys, if you hang around the crows, you're going to get shot. And everyone's like, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> you know? uh, but then he, he would also say, I remember one time he said, hey, don't cut the corners. 
Don't cut the corners. And he, because when we would run the lines on the football field, um, some of us would cut the corners and he knew that that was a principle in life. And so every time someone cut the corners, we'd have to start all over. So everybody started checking each other on that. You know, like this is that moment when he's given this pregame speech and now Coach Paul is diving in with us and this is what he says. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. You see, this was, this was a moment when Paul was looking at it and going, okay, what I'm wanting you to be obedient on is I just want you to zero in on one fundamental, your speech. If you just focus on changing the way you talk to one another, it's going to change everything because your tongue is tied to every other behavior in your life. James, the brother of Jesus, says this. He says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. You see, Paul was echoing this. Uh, in, this, in this passage, Paul knew that if you could focus on this one thing, that it would change everything. He knew that every person would begin to elevate their life if their words were in line with what Jesus told them to do. He also knew how disobedient words can weigh us down. You see, he starts off with do everything without complaining or arguing. He wasn't saying, just don't do it less. He wasn't saying, hey, kind of be nicer to each other. He was saying, don't ever, don't ever do this to one another. Don't, like, don't let your heart go against another person. Make sure that your heart is always for other people. And right now in this time, man, we need to hear this message. Think about this. All the differences that we have and all that we see out in the world a Democrat, Republican, uh, BLM, police, Trump, Biden, privileged or not, Paul takes all the excuses away and he says, never let these things happen in your life. Uh, do everything without complaining or arguing. The Bible tells us to love one another and he tells us to love our enemies. When you love those difficult to love, that's when we grow the most. So do it all the time. You remember the story of the uh, of the Israelites when they were back in Egypt. Uh, it's, I think it's found in Exodus. And, uh, and so the story goes that the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. They were, um, they were uh, being treated horribly. Uh, they were oppressed. They were abused in every kind of way. And so God called Moses to come and deliver them out of captivity. He goes to Pharaoh. He he uh, says, hey, let my people go. Uh, Pharaoh said, no. God did all kinds of miracles. He sent plagues. And, uh, and, and eventually, uh, Pharaoh's attention was captured. So he relented. Moses took the Israelites. They came out of Egypt and walked into the desert. And a million people walking through the desert. And they began to walk toward a place that God had set out for them. But on their way, 
They came into all kinds of little things, whether it was the Egyptians started chasing them or the bread, like they got tired of what they were eating. Uh, they got, uh, they just in every moment began to complain and argue about certain things. It's like, this is just in them. And it just like kept happening and happening and happening. Well, guess what? It wasn't just the Israelites. It's been passed on to all of us. We all struggle in this way. Just as Holland was saying, obedience uh, elevates us, but disobedience weighs us down. You know, like the Israelites, uh, uh, like they were not much different than us. But Paul tells us to live clean and innocent lives, shining like bright lights. You see, he knew that, that the world and the way that it is, the perverse and the perverse generation that, it, that he said it was, like ours is not very, very different. If you look right now, this is maybe one of the darkest times of life that I've ever, been, I've ever seen. But like Paul is telling us, shine like bright lights. There is no better time for us. We have such an opportunity right now, right here, to shine our lives, uh, and we do that by obedience. Now, I'm not just talking about outward obedience. I'm talking about inward obedience. It's a lot of what Holland was saying. There are two different types, and you can communicate just as much with your, uh, with your not, like nonverbal expressions as you can with your words. Uh, the eye rolls and the glares. You know, where's Scott Sparley? I'm gonna give him a glare right now. Yeah, like, like that. You can communicate with your eyes and your mouth. You know, and I'm, I just think that this is, is uh, we have to be careful to, uh, to make sure that we aren't just living outwardly, that our obedience isn't just plastic, but we're allowing our words to change our heart. So when, when Paul's telling us to control our words, he's telling us to do that because he knows that it's not gonna be easy. Every time we're gonna have to go back to our heart and analyze where our heart is toward that person. So he's saying, keep doing that. Be wholehearted, not hollow-hearted, because that's what happens when you begin to leave, uh, when you begin to live outwardly only. And he tells us to be different from the world. You see, the church is the bride of Christ, and he tells us it's our job to make her beautiful. When she is presented to Jesus, if you tell me you, uh, like, uh, <laughs> if, sorry, um, for when she is, uh, like, he, he wants us to make her beautiful when she is presented to Jesus. If you tell me you love me and then you talk about my wife in a bad way, we're probably not going to get along. We need to be different. You see, but he also takes us toward obedience and obedience, he says, elevates our life. He begins to cast vision for them here. He says, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. You see, he says, hold firmly to, to the Bible because it teaches us truth. Remember that you are not forgotten and that someday Jesus is going to return and he's coming back, so don't be looking back. Look forward. There will come a day when justice arrives. If we expect it from the world, we're gonna get bitter. 
You need to let it go. Leave it all on the field. Run the race. Take the baton. And then he says, make me proud, boys. Continue what I taught you. You see, he is cast, he's giving them hope. He's saying, don't live for what is here. The world always tells us to suck the marrow out of life. You only live once, YOLO. But the Bible tells us to invest our lives, to not live for this world, but, to ne- but for the next. Because someday, we're all gonna celebrate at the finish line together. You know, verse 17, he closes this out says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. You see, do you remember earlier in the passage, earlier in the, the chapter, where uh, Paul was telling us to, to uh, be humble and to serve? Remember when Dan was talking, he was telling us to do that? You see, all of that was building up to this moment when he's saying, if you are humble, if you will serve other people, if you will allow yourself to be submissive to what I'm asking you to do, I will bring joy to your life. You will have joy. You know, so that leads us to a moment when we have to stop, we have to check our hearts. One passage that I always go back to whenever I'm checking my heart is Psalm 51. I want to read verses 10 through 13 to you because every time I read this, it humbles my heart and it leads me to a place of change. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. You see, Coach Paul here, he's been telling us all these beautiful things in our lives. And he has moved from player to coach. This was his baby. This church was his baby. He started it. And now he's seeing these very capable people and he's casting vision for them and he's telling them, you can do this. You're gonna shine like bright lights. I'm proud of you. You see, he moved from coach or from player to coach. Same thing that David's telling us to do here. Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. Focusing on one person at a time is our secret sauce at Valley Real Life. Guys, we're shining. This is a bright moment for Valley Real Life. We are shining in a dark moment And I want to say I'm proud of you. Keep going. Don't give up. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for who you are in our lives. I thank you for the way that you have have, uh, taught us. I thank you for giving us these lessons that we can be obedient on and find freedom in that. God, I thank you, Lord, that when we're disobedient, that there is forgiveness God, that you restore us. You create a new heart within us. And so, God, we celebrate that today because today we are new again in you. Jesus, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. You know, right now, uh, we have a lot of things that, uh, that we can apply this in. But, man, 
I just want to encourage you to find somebody and like someone who has encouraged you in the Lord man, and encourage them back. Send them a text. Tell them how much you love them and how proud you are of them. Right now, our band is going to come up and uh, we're going we're gonna to worship because I think we're ready to do that. You guys ready?